Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in Paul's letter to the Galatians, our regular epistolary lesson for this Sunday in the fourth chapter, particularly the 31st verse. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In Christ Jesus, the Lord of his church, dear friends, you who are here in God's house this morning, and you also, Christian friends, who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. It was while St. Paul was on his first missionary journey that he came into the region of Galatia. You recall that he was with Barnabas. When they come up into that territory there in Asia Minor, uh, cities located there, Antioch and Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, Paul found a number of Jews up in that territory, and he preached Christ to them as the Messiah and as the Savior, and a number of Jews became Christians. And then later on, this is what happened. There came false teachers amongst these Jewish Christians, telling them that they were not to put their hope of salvation in Christ and in him alone, but that rather they were to go back to the law, that they were to put their hope of salvation in doing good, in trying to keep the Ten Commandments, in trying to obey the law that God had given them. And so it was that Paul, in order to refute this argument and to keep them in Christ as the way of salvation, he wrote this letter to the Christians up in the Galatian territory. And this is what he told them. He said, you who are being tempted to go back to the law, to feeling that you're going to be saved by means of obeying the Ten Commandments, he said, do you not read what the scriptures say about the law? And then Paul went on and he told them, he says, remember how the scriptures talk about Abraham who had two sons, and I am sure that you recall that story. You remember that God picked Abraham and told Abraham that he was to be the father of a great nation, and that in him and in his seed all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. But the problem was Abraham had no children, he had no son. And time went on and he still didn't have a son until finally his wife Sarah became rather impatient and she said to Abraham, Abraham, take this slave girl that we have. Her name was Hagar. And she said, have a child by her. So Abraham did that and Hagar became the mother of a child from Abraham and as you know they called his name Ishmael. But again, because Hagar was a slave mother, she was able to bring into this world only a slave son. And that slave son, because he was a slave son, was cast out. Now we know this, that later on what happened, at the time when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, then God came to the rescue and God blessed Sarah with a child. And because Sarah was a free woman, not a slave woman, therefore that son Isaac that was born of Sarah was a free son, and he was not cast out. He inherited the blessing as God had intended. 
And so then Paul went on telling the Galatian Christians, he said, now there is another meaning in this historic fact that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, a slave woman, and the other by a free woman. He said, these two mothers represent the two covenants or the two agreements that God has made with his children. And then he went on to say, now Hagar, who was the slave mother, she represents Mount Sinai. She represents Mount Sinai where the law was given. And then Paul makes this great point. Just as Hagar, a slave mother, could produce only slaves to be cast out, so Paul reminds him, remember, Mount Sinai can produce only slave sons who are lost sons, who are cast out. And so then it follows that Sarah, who is the free mother, she represents another mountain, the other covenant that God has made, the other agreement, and that agreement is Mount Calvary in Jerusalem. And Mount Calvary, therefore, because that represents Sarah, here is again the mountain that produces free children, that produces saved souls. And then it was that when Paul was pleading with the Galatians, he calls upon them to rejoice, Galatian Christians. Rejoice that as Christians that you are not sons of Mount Sinai, slaves and lost souls. Rejoice, he says, that you are sons of Mount Calvary, that you are free, that you are saved souls, not lost souls. And so through this same word of God, Paul speaks to you and me today as Christians. And this is Lytari Sunday, the Sunday to rejoice. And we are asked as Christians to rejoice in this, that you and I as Christians are not sons of Mount Sinai. We are not sons who are trying to save ourselves by means of obeying the law. That we are not sons of Mount Sinai, and therefore slaves and lost sons, we are called upon today to rejoice that we are sons of Mount Calvary, that we are free sons, that we are saved souls. And I am sure that that leaves a number of problems within your mind and mine. And we may say to ourselves, it's hard to believe that we as Christians are to rejoice in the fact that we are not sons of Mount Sinai and thus lost sons, that we are sons of Mount Calvary and thus saved sons, because we may say for the life of us, we can't understand why sons of Mount Sinai are lost sons. That's a hard thing to understand, isn't it? We say to ourselves, why is it that a person who really wants to be good, why is it that a person who is really sincere, why is it the person that says, I'm going to try to keep the Ten Commandments to the very extent of my ability? Why is it that a person that says, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments to the very best that I can do, why is it that that person is lost? Why is it that that person is a slave and is lost? You and I say, isn't there a road to heaven from Mount Sinai just as well as there is a road to heaven from Mount Calvary? Isn't it possible that a person who wants to do what is right, who wants to obey the Ten Commandments, who wants to be a son of Mount Sinai, isn't it possible for that person to go to heaven just as well as the person that stands at Mount Calvary who is a free son? Isn't there a road that leads to heaven from Mount Sinai, the law, as there is a road that leads from Mount Calvary. Well, this morning, will you do this for me? 
Let's imagine that we're all standing before two mountains. Here is Mount Sinai that represents Hagar or the Ten Commandments. Here is Mount Sinai where people are standing who look at Mount Sinai and say, I want a way to heaven from Mount Sinai. I want to believe that I can be saved by doing the best that I know how, by living a moral life according to the Ten Commandments, by obeying the law. And then here is Mount Calvary. Here is Mount Calvary where again there are free sons and here are the saved souls. Will you just look at these mountains for a moment and listen to this? You may ask, is there a road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai? And may I say this, and I hope to God I can write it on your hearts that you'll never forget it. There is no road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai. There is no road leading to heaven there. There never has been. There never will be a road to heaven from Mount Sinai. Will you remember that as long as you live? And here is Mount Calvary. There is a road to heaven from Mount Calvary. It is there. There is only one road, and it leads from Mount Calvary. But there is a road there. But may I write it on your hearts this morning, there never is, there never was, there never will be a road to heaven from Mount Sinai. And that's why Paul calls upon you and me this morning to rejoice as Christians that we are not sons of Mount Sinai. We are not lost souls. But as Christians, we are sons of Mount Calvary. We are saved souls because sons of Mount Sinai are lost. There is no road to heaven from Mount Sinai. You wonder why? Let's look for a moment. Let's stand. Don't forget we're standing before two mountains this morning, Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary. When we look at Mount Sinai, bear this in mind, that Mount Sinai demands perfection of us. Mount Calvary gives perfection. You may say, that's strange that there's no road to heaven leading from Mount Sinai. We may say, why, it was a wonderful incident when God gave the law to Mount Sinai. It really was. When God gave the law to Mount Sinai, to be sure, it was a wonderful occurrence that Moses had led the children of Israel, remember, out of the land of Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea, and they came to Mount Sinai in Arabia. And there it was that God said, get ready. And on that one day of days, God spoke from the mountain, and it trembled in the earthquake. And there were storms again, thunder and lightnings, and a cloud filled the mountain. And the Lord God spoke. But listen, what did he say? I am the Lord thy God. It was a great day. But listen, when God at Mount Sinai gave the Ten Commandments, bear in mind that it was a God of perfection calling, and it was a God who was saying, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Mount Sinai demands nothing short of perfection. And when you and I stand at Mount Sinai this morning, listen, God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God says, I want to be first, last, and always in your life. You must do my will at all times and never fail in one point because the law says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of having broken the entire law. We stand at Mount Sinai and listen to what God says. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God says, never use my name foolishly. You must use it. Never must you ever use it in vain. I demand perfection, not just your best. I demand perfection. And you and I stand in the mountain that's trembling. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God says, you've got to worship me and you've got to honor me in perfection. 
God says, honor thy father and thy mother. God demands perfection, not just your best and mine. God says, thou shalt not kill, kill no hatred. There shall be no hatred and ill will in your hearts. God says, I demand no less than perfection at Mount Sinai. Thou shalt not commit adultery, not even one evil thought and desire. God says, thou shalt not steal honesty, perfect, absolute honesty in all things. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. God says, you must never lie, and then you must speak the truth and speak it only in love. I demand nothing less than perfection. And God says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, or anything that is thy neighbor's. God says, you dare not have even one evil desire, not one sin of jealousy, not one sin of envy. And you and I stand and we say, Mount Sinai is a marvelous mountain. But listen, it demands perfection. And when you and I do not measure up to its demands, it says you and I are guilty. Every man that stands at Mount Sinai, which is the law, stands as a guilty sinner before God. Having broken the law, we all stand as lawbreakers. Listen, why is it that those who stand at Mount Sinai, those who are ever so sincere, those who are ever so good, who stand at Mount Sinai and say there must be a way to heaven from Mount Sinai, believing that that's the way to heaven and eternal life, but nevertheless they are lost sinners and they are absolutely lost. Why? There isn't any road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai. How could there be? Because no man stands perfect. But, oh, God, when you turn to the other mountain, the Mount Calvary, now something's different. There's a Christ at Mount Calvary. You notice there isn't any Christ at Mount Sinai. Never was. Never will be. But there's a Christ over here at Mount Calvary. And you and I look at him and we say, who is he? Why, he's no less than God the Son. He's no less than God, a very God and King of kings and Lord of lords, who came out of the ivory palaces into this world of sin. And on Calvary, yes, on the cross, he was the one who again, he bore again the law of God. He fulfilled it perfectly in thought, word, and deed. He stood before the world of his day, and no man was ever able to convince him that he had sinned. And because he is no less than God, when he kept the Ten Commandments, he kept them for you and me. When you stand at Mount Calvary, sinner, there comes from Christ who says, here is the perfection that Mount Sinai demands but can't give. I give you my perfection as the Son of God because I kept the Ten Commandments for you. Isn't it a marvelous? And listen, there's a road that leads to heaven from Mount Calvary. There never was, there is not, and there never will be a road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai. And if I could write that on your souls this morning, listen, today we ought to thank God that as Christians that we are not sons of Mount Sinai. We are not sons of Hagar. We are not slaves, condemned sinners. We are sons of Sarah standing at Mount Calvary. We are free and saved. And if we could say we are there, why? Knowing that there is no road that leads to Mount Sinai, then we ought to be able to understand this more. Well, then why did God ever give Mount Sinai anyhow? Many a man says, well, if there's no road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai, why in the name of goodness did God ever give the law at Mount Sinai? Well, listen, friend, that isn't the first that God gave the law, the law of the Ten Commandments, why it was given back in creation when God wrote it in man's heart in the Garden of Eden. But man lost it when man sinned. And here at Mount Sinai, God repeated the law. And what was its purpose? It was never intended to be a way of salvation. It couldn't have been no more than God ever intended for Ishmael to be the forerunner of Christ. 
God never intended that Hagar should ever give birth to a slave son and that Ishmael should be the seed from whom Christ would come. God never intended that. God's intention was that Sarah should have a son and that Sarah's son Isaac should be the progenitor of Jesus and that he would come from Isaac, not from Ishmael. No more than that, but you say, well, if the law at Mount Sinai was never given to save, that there's no road to heaven, what did God give it for? Why, the Bible answers it very simply. The law, again, by the law is the knowledge of sin. God gave Mount Sinai for this big reason, that you and I might stand at Mount Sinai, and even though we would come and say, I'm going to try to keep it, I'm going to try to live, that we would soon see, because it demands perfection, that we can't keep it. That you and I would begin to see ourselves as lost and condemned sinners. That before Mount Sinai, we would see that we're guilty, that we don't measure up, and that seeing it in horror, we would race from Mount Sinai over to Calvary to see the need of a Savior. You know, if there was no Mount Sinai, you and I would never have any consciousness of sin. We'd never realize that we are sinners and that we are guilty. The law was given to show us our need of a Savior. And yet, isn't it strange? I wonder how many that I'm talking to this morning stand before Mount Sinai and, oh, you get the greatest comfort out of it. You love it. You stand there. How many people say, my religion, my religion is to do good. My religion is to keep the law. And oh, you stand and you say, oh, I thank you, Lord, that I'm a lot better than other people are. And you stand at Mount Sinai and you've got the assurance that you're saved because, again, you are doing the best that you know how. Listen, friend, what can I tell you? There isn't any road to heaven at Mount Sinai. How in the name of God can you stand there and get comfort out of something that tells you that you're a guilty sinner? You've got to misinterpret the law. How many this morning? You're sincere, oh heaven, yes, you're sincere. But you're standing before Mount Sinai and you think that you're saved. But listen, friend, believe me, there isn't any road that goes to heaven from Mount Sinai. It was never intended to save and it'll never save you. It'll never save me. It can't. It demands perfection. There's no Christ there. Will you remember that? No wonder when Paul wrote to the Galatians and they were in danger of leaving Mount Calvary and they were going back to Sinai and they were going to base their salvation on obeying the law, doing what the law would require. And Paul wrote, heaven forbid, rejoice in the fact, Galatians, that because you're Christians, that again you are not sons of Mount Sinai, you're not slaves, you're not lost, you're sons of Mount Calvary, you're free, you're saved. And you and I may say, well, oh, why is it it's so hard to believe that somebody that stands at Mount Sinai, who is so sincere and tries to fulfill it, it's so hard to believe that they're lost. Well, listen, they're lost for this reason. There just isn't any way to heaven from Mount Sinai. There never was. There never will be. Why, look at Mount Sinai again. Mount Sinai not only demands perfection, but look, Mount Sinai condemns you and me, condemns us to hell, every last one of us, Mount Calvary rescues us from hell. Look at Mount Sinai. If you're getting any comfort, I just stand before Mount Sinai, you and I, and we say, I'm trying to fulfill what you ask. I'm trying to keep the law, but Mount Sinai says perfection. You've got to be perfect. If you are not perfect, you're guilty. And because you were guilty, you were damned. Mount Sinai hands out only eternal death and damnation for your body and soul and mind. That's all it can give. Why? There's no Christ there. Don't you realize there is no Christ at Mount Sinai? It was never intended to save. 
But, oh God, when we stand at Mount Sinai and we realize that we're condemned, that there's no difference that all of us have sinned, and because eternal damnation is on us, we rush from Mount Sinai and we go over to Mount Calvary, and lo and behold, there's a Christ there, and there's a cross there, and we stand before the cross and we say, here is hope, here is the God-man who came from heaven and came to this earth and on the cross he took the guilt and the punishment of the world and in that death he bore the equal of an eternity in hell for the human race and he stands there and he said if you trust me and put your faith and your confidence in me as your savior i will rescue you from hell and bestow upon you the blessing of eternal life and everlasting salvation Marvelous, isn't it? You can stand there at Mount Calvary. Listen, there's a Christ there, and there's a cross, but there isn't here. Oh, if I could write it on your souls this morning, you'd remember it as long as you live. There never was, there isn't now, and there never will be a road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai. I don't care how sincere you are. Listen, if we could rejoice that we're Christians, and because we are Christians that we are therefore not sons of Mount Sinai. We're not sons of Hagar. We're not Ishmaelites. We're not lost and damned. We are sons of Sarah, free and saved. Then if we could rejoice in that fact, then we would expect in life that we are going to be persecuted and we're going to have barbs shot at us when we try to tell people who stand at Mount Sinai there is no road leading to heaven from Mount Sinai. Isn't it strange the people that stand at Mount Sinai and get such a comfort out of it? They love it. Here's a mountain that damns them and they stand there. Oh, how sweet you are. I know I'm saved because I'm so good. When Mount Sinai says you're lost and there's no road leading to heaven and yet some people make themselves think that there is. And then you tell them that there's no road and what happens? Same thing that happened back in Abraham's home. Why, listen, just as soon as Hagar, the slave woman, knew that she was going to have a child, she from then on started to thumb her nose at Sarah. Why, she simply treated her with impudence. Look who I am, a slave woman. I'm going to have the child, not you. And then she had Ishmael, the slave, and then later on Sarah had her son, and Isaac grew up. And let me tell you, Ishmael gave Isaac a dog's life, and Hagar gave Sarah a dog's life. They were mean, and they got to the place where life couldn't go on anymore. And Abraham said, get out! Get out, Hagar! Get out, Ishmael! You will not inherit as my son. Isn't it strange, even as I talk now, how many stand at Mount Sinai? and say to those who stand at Mount Calvary, don't you dare tell me that there's no road leading to heaven. How many stand and say, listen, you know anybody that says, I don't belong to church, and I don't intend to. You see, not belong to church means you don't need Christ. You don't need Jesus on the cross. How many, am I talking to somebody this morning, you're already peed. How many stand at Mount Sinai and say, I don't belong to your old church, and I don't think I have to, I'm just as good as anybody that does. Believe you me, I can stand here and I'll do the best that I can. How many of you say, I belong to an organization that's very religious, and I know that if I do everything that that organization tells me, I know that I'm going to be saved? Where you at, friend? Aren't you at Mount Sinai? Aren't you saying, if I can do what I've been told to do and obey it, fine, I'm going to be saved? Are you? Listen, may I remind you from the depth of my heart, the crescent is not the cross. It is not the cross. It never was. It never will be. You may say, I'm standing and I'm doing the best that I can. I've got Christ. I follow him as an example. 
Listen, friend, you may bring Christ to Mount Sinai, but you can never bring the cross there, and Christ without the cross is only an example, and you can follow him, believe me. To be saved following Christ is an example. You've got to be perfect, and you can't be. Oh, my words may hurt you this morning, but oh, listen, I don't want your blood on my soul. I don't want some of you to say, I don't need the church and I don't need Christ. I'm going to stand at Mount Sinai and I've got such a good life and I'm going to stand and I'm going to heaven because believe me, as God lives, there's no road to heaven from Mount Sinai. Believe me. If you're going to stand there, listen, friend, for goodness sakes, ask yourself, do you have the Christ of the cross at the sin of your religion? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're at Mount Sinai, listen, there isn't any road to heaven. There never was, there never will be. You're on the wrong track. It can't be. Oh, you may be hurt, but I'd rather have you hurt and examine it and be saved than to go out of church not being hurt and standing at Mount Sinai and saying, I thumb my nose at the Christians in the church. I'm going this way. Don't go this way. It isn't a way. Could I make it any clearer? And listen, when you can stand here, remember, we ought to thank God that there is a Calvary, that there's a Christ in the cross. There is no Christ and no cross at Mount Sinai. Will you believe me? Oh, listen, no wonder Paul says rejoice as Christians. Rejoice that you're not sons of Mount Sinai, lost and damned. You're sons of Mount Calvary. You're free and you're saved. And you and I may say, well, it's so hard to believe that sons of Sinai are lost. I know it is. Because people are sincere and you want to do your best. But listen, it's just like this and just that simple. There's no road to heaven from Mount Sinai. How in the world can you be saved by doing your best when there's no road going? There just isn't because there's no Christ and there's no cross. And bear this in mind, Mount Sinai has no one to give us who gives us power to live a life that is pleasing in the sight of God. Well, you may say, my life is pleasing in the sight of God when I stand at Mount Sinai, is it? The Word of God, my Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. A man without Christ, his life doesn't please. Listen, fam, this hurts. You can give everything you've got to the poor. You can go out and dedicate your life to the help of all human beings. But listen, if you're standing at Mount Sinai and there's no Christ in your heart by faith, your whole life means nothing to God. God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You can stand and say, well, Lord, don't you know me? Well, I gave everything I had to the poor. I simply healed the sick and I cast out devils and I did wonderful things. And Jesus will say, depart, I never knew you. Oh, there's no power, you see. How in the world could your life and mine be pleasing to God when we stand at Mount Sinai and we're stand under condemnation and we're damned to hell? A damned soul can't please God. Is it clear? Or am I talking over your heads this morning? But when you go to Mount Calvary, you and I stand there, oh, listen. We stand there knowing that we're not perfect. We stand there with guilt. We stand there knowing we're condemned. But there's the Christ and the cross. And when we forsake all and we take him, when we put our trust and our confidence and say, you died for me, I want you, the Christ who died, he comes and lives within you and me. And oh, what a difference. 
then when he lives within us, he gives us power so that our imperfect lives do please God. When we fail and come short, his righteousness covers up our imperfections so that our lives do look pleasing in the sight of God, even though they fail and they come short in so many things. But to see the righteousness of Jesus makes your life and mind acceptable. And when he lives in your heart and mind by faith, he gives us power that when temptations come, we can say no and we can walk in ways pleasing with him. And you and I can find joy in doing his will to the best of our ability but knowing that it doesn't save knowing that his blood and his righteousness alone save oh we ought to be able to thank God listen will you just remember this when you stand at Mount Sinai and oh there's something oh I know we like to achieve our own salvation if I'm going to be saved I'm going to do it myself but remember from Mount Sinai in Arabia only slaves there's no road never was a road going to heaven but from Mount Calvary a wonderful way we ought to thank God today that as Christians we are not sons of Sinai we are not lost and damned creatures but we are free sons and daughters of again of Mount Calvary because there's the Christ and the cross we ought to thank God that listen this covenant that God made at Mount Sinai how in the world could it ever uh, in any way repudiate the covenant that God made at Calvary you may say well didn't Sinai come first oh no Mount Sinai came 430 years after God made it for Calvary. You may say, how is that? Mount Sinai, 1,500 years before Christ and Calvary, A.D. 33. But listen, God made this covenant with Abraham 2,000 years before and with Adam 4,000 years B.C. But it was fulfilled at Calvary that Christ was going to come. He was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. And listen, because the great covenant was made with Abraham and Mount Sinai came 430 years later, Mount Sinai could never repudiate Calvary or repudiate the covenant that God made with Abraham. And what a joy then, as again, Paul reminded them, he says, remember uh, that the children of the childless mother, of the barren mother, shall be greater than the children of the one that has a husband. Isn't that true? Look at the Christian church. Look at the sons of Sarah. Sarah was barren, oh yes, and only produced one son. But look at the Christian church, those who stand at Mount Calvary. Oh, when you count the numbers, how much greater they are than the sons of Hagar, than the Jewish people today and the Ishmaelites who do not stand at Mount Calvary. The Christian church is immense. It stands so marvelously great. Sons and daughters of Sarah, free because there's a road to heaven that leads from Mount Calvary that leads into heaven. But you know, there's a marvelous miracle that can happen. You may be standing today and say, I've been at Mount Sinai all my life. I've never understood Mount Calvary. I realize that there isn't a road going to heaven from Mount Sinai. But you know, Ishmael had to be Ishmael. But oh, you and I, if we're Ishmaelites, we can be Isaacites. By the grace of God, we can walk over to Calvary. And we can say, God, I'm done with Mount Sinai as the way to heaven. I know that there's no road leading there, but I come to Calvary. And we can come with all of our sins and we can look up at Christ and say, Lord, I put my trust in you, and we can stand as free men and women. You can go out of church this morning. You can say, I'm on the road to heaven. I am saved because Sinai has condemned me. There's no road, but there is one road, and I'm on that road in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why not let Jesus save you and me? Why can't we go on the glory road and sing with joy? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Could I write it on your soul once more? There is no road that leads to heaven from Mount Sinai. There is one road that leads to heaven. And thank God there is one road, but it leads from Mount Calvary. God grant you and me as Christians to stand before Mount Calvary and thank God for a Christ and above all for a Christ with a cross. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.